This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. On June 19, 1864, a 14-month chase culminated in one of the most dramatic naval battles in history. The dreaded Confederate Raider Alabama faced the Union warship Kearsarge in an all-or-nothing fight to the death. And the outcome would effectively end the threat of the Confederacy on the high seas. Award-winning and best-selling historians Phil Keith, who was a U.S. Navy captain, and Tom Clavin share this riveting, mostly untold story into the uttermost ends of the earth, the epic hunt for the South's most feared ship and the greatest sea battle of the Civil War. It's out now, informed by comprehensive research, extensive photos, maps, uh, the author's expertise. The book is a fresh blend of military, naval, and Civil War history. Tom Clavin is the author of 18 nonfiction books and has worked as a newspaper editor, magazine writer, TV and radio commentator, and reporter for the New York Times, covering a variety of topics. His two most recent books, Blood and Treasure, Daniel Boone and the Fight for America's First Frontier with Bob Drury, and Lightning Down, a World War II story of survival, were national bestsellers. Other bestselling titles included Dodge City, The Heart of Everything That Is, Tombstone, and The Last Stand of Fox Company. Phil Keith, who passed away last year, was the author of six books, including Black Horse Riders, which won the 2012 award from USA Book News for Best Military Nonfiction, was a finalist for the 2013 Colby Award, and earned a 2013 Silver Medal from Military Writers Society of America. He held a degree in history from Harvard and was a former Navy aviator. During three tours in Vietnam, he served with distinction and was awarded, among other decorations, the Purple Heart Air Medal, Presidential Unit Citation, and the Navy Commendation Medal. Happy to have Tom Clavin back on this program. Tom, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me back on the program. I appreciate it. So how did you discover this story? This is a story that I stumbled across. It's got to be at least 15 years ago. And uh, I found it really intriguing, the idea that there was you know, two mighty warships that had it out in the ocean during the Civil War. But it was one of those projects that I just couldn't find the time to do. And, and each year went on working on other projects. And Phil Keith and I had done a book together uh, called All Blood Runs Red, which came out in 2019, and it was very well received, and our publisher said, is there, uh, you know, another book you'd like to do? And, you know, Phil, as, as you mentioned, you know, being a, a Navy man, said, gee, it'd be fun to find something in American history that dealt with the Navy. And then, you know, the, the cobwebs faded away in my brain. I said, well, you know, there's this idea that I've been tucked away for many years. And I told Phil about it. He said, wow, that sounds, that sounds really good. It's a, combined the Civil War, the Navy, who knew? So that's when we first started to do some research into the story. All right, let's talk about this Confederate steamer, the Alabama. This is quite a ship. It is quite a ship. It was built in 1862 in England because the Confederacy, uh, among its many handicaps when the Civil War broke out, it didn't, it didn't really have any shipbuilding facilities. So they not the kind of ship that could go out there and, and combine speed and power. And that's what the Alabama was. So a representative from the uh, Confederate States of America with a, basically a sack full of cash, uh, of gold coins, uh, sailed for England and hired the Laird Shipbuilding Company in Liverpool to create a ship. Now, it couldn't be you know, build as a Confederate ship because, you know, England was officially neutral. So the disguise was that this, the company was building a, a yacht for a very rich British lord. And uh, so it built this beautiful ship, and uh, which had steam engine capacity also. 
And when the time came that uh, it was ready to be launched, uh, this, this cover story was, well, we're just going to take it on a test run, which it did. It just never came back. It rendezvoused with a Confederate uh, uh, munitions ship uh, in the ocean. They put in the guns, the cannon, the, the, the gunpowder, and everything else. And then it was christened the CSS Alabama. And Tom, this ship sail around and go after Union merchant ships. Well, that's what the, the Confederacy had few options as far as naval operations because of the, the blockade, a very effective blockade that was pretty much chilling off the ports of Charleston and, and Savannah and places like that. So what the Alabama was able to do was, was go initially starting up and down the Atlantic coast uh, and in the Caribbean was to find ships that were carrying goods either to or from Union ports, Boston, Philadelphia, New York, places like that, and sink those ships. And eventually, the Alabama was so successful that it started to widen its, its expanse. It would go into the rest of the Atlantic. It would go in the Pacific Ocean. It went in the Indian Ocean. It was looking for Union ships off Vietnam, off South Africa. And when it would find these ships, it would, it would burn them and with the cargoes with them. And the, the, uh, it was very effective. I mean, over the course of the two years of roaming the world, uh, it, it sank uh, over 60 Union ships. Let's talk about the Union ship here, the Kearsarge. It was launched in 1861, right? It was, and it, it had it had a you know reasonable uh, short career earlier in the war. Uh, it had a captain, uh, Captain John Winslow, and I should point out that Captain John Winslow and the Alabama captain Raphael Sims had been friends and shipmates during the Mexican American War, and probably never envisioned, even when they chose separate sides in the Civil War, that they would actually be one against the other, mano a mano, with their ship against the other ship. But Winslow was finally, the, the very, very frustrated Lincoln administration said, we need a ship that has no other priority but to track down, go to the uttermost ends of the earth if necessary, and find and destroy the Alabama. And that's what Winslow's orders were. Go find the Alabama. We've got to stop this ship. It's, we, have, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have ships that are afraid to leave port because they're, they're going to encounter the Alabama. So we have, this is the worst you know, scourge, the worst uh, power and, and, and uh, that the enemy has. We've got to find it. So you mentioned Sims and uh, Winslow were friends. Winslow was a Southerner from North Carolina. He was, and, uh, and, and Sims was from Maryland, which was a border state. Uh, and his wife was from Ohio and from a very abolitionist family. So, But when the war broke out, he chose the Confederacy. As you mentioned, Winslow was born in North Carolina, but by the time the war broke out, he and his wife and his family were all living in the Boston area, and he uh, very, rather easily was in an agonizing decision when the war broke out. He stayed with the, with the Union Navy. We don't want to give away too much, but the, the second half of the book is just fantastic. It, it reads like a novel, the dramatic battle, and the, the uh, Kearsarge finds the Alabama off the coast of France of all places. It did. One of the strategies that Winslow used is to not try and get a report that the that the Alabama had sunk a ship in a certain place. Well, don't necessarily go to that place because obviously by the time which other ships had done, by the time you get there, the Alabama's long gone. Try and think like Sims. Where would you go next? Where would be the most fertile hunting grounds, for example? And so when the Alabama was in uh, uh, off the coast of France and in, in, in the port of Cherbourg, uh, Winslow was not far behind because he figured. That, that that part of the European waters, that part of the country at that particular world at that particular time of the, of the year, was the best, most fertile grounds for for Alabama to be. So that's why when when word got out, the Alabama was in Cherbourg, France, 
Winslow was there only a few days later, and the challenge was issued. Come on out, and let's fight it out here. We're chatting with Tom Clavin. He, along with the late Phil Keith, uh, have written the book, the, To the Uttermost Ends of the Earth, the epic hunt for the South's most feared ship and the greatest sea battle of the Civil War. What was the research like? Well, we're fortunate. Uh, Phil and I were fortunate in a couple of ways. One is that the Alabama was so notorious an enemy of the North that there was a lot of newspaper coverage, contemporaneous newspaper coverage of its adventures. You know, you'd have a captain of a ship that had gotten burned by Sims was, you know, was was arriving with what was left of his crew in, in the Boston port, for example, and and the Boston newspaper would write about that recent experience. So we not only had a good amount of newspaper coverage, in addition to newspapers in the South, because Sims was considered the Robert E. Lee of, of the Navy, um, we had both captains. Uh, Winslow's case, he was, a, he was a, a, a voluminous letter writer. So we have a lot of his letters that were you know, writing about just even just the most mundane daily activities on the Kearsarge. But, of course, he wrote about the climactic moments, too. Sims was a published author. He published numerous books during his lifetime, including one about his Civil War experiences. So thankfully, and, and I did several of the officers on each ship, so thankfully we had a lot of eyewitness accounts that we could choose from when putting the book together. What surprised you the most about these two men? I think that uh, two things. One is, as I mentioned, that they had this, this already this friendship, this, yeah. this background together, and then when the battle itself is taking place, they both were on high points where they could see the entire battle and direct their ships. They were very exposed to, each other, to enemy fire. And it was almost as if their ships were an extension of themselves. This was a battle between these two former friends. Only one of them could be left standing. And the ship, they were, they were in these high pro, you know, prominent positions because they were like the ships and the, and the captains had become one. And they were, they were boxing it out in the middle of the ring. I mentioned that Phil uh, passed away last year. Was the book finished at that point? We had just turned, we had turned to the manuscript. We'd gotten some feedback from our editor. We had done a, a pretty thorough revision based on that feedback, and we turned in that manuscript. So it was probably about uh, less than two weeks after that that Phil passed away. And so he, thankfully, the, 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 the sailor's last book was a book about the sea, and he mm. was very happy with the way it turned out. Yeah, what was it like finishing it up without him? Well, it was difficult because uh, Phil was not just a collaborator of mine. We were very good friends. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was almost like, you know, he passed away. You can't just stop at that milestone and then sort of like recover from that. Every week uh, there was another task to be done until publication and now post-publication because I'm, you know, doing this interview. So I'm still talking about Phil and talking about the book. It's almost like, you know, there's not been any closure yet because the book was an extension of him. Uh, what are you working on next? Uh, my good friend Bob Drury and I are going to have our next book come out in uh, in November. It's called The Last Hill. It's uh, the World War II story about the, the 2nd Battalion of Army Rangers who invaded Germany in, in the fall of 1944. And that's, uh, We're excited about that, and that will be out November 1. All right, and finally, Tom, what would you like readers to take away from this one? I think what I'd like to take away from it is that Raphael Semmes was sort of like the swashbuckling, charismatic captain. But it was Winslow and his doggedness and his discipline and his, uh, his creative thinking that, uh, that, that got them to arrive at what was, really was the greatest sea battle of the Civil War. I mean, we're talking about Horatio Hornblower stuff where these two, two great ships are broadside to broadside grappling with each other. 
And uh, so I think, I think, like you said, I'd like to. It's it's filled with a lot of factual information, but it is a page turner. It's to the uttermost ends of the earth, the epic hunt for the South's most feared ship and the greatest sea battle of the Civil War. The authors, Phil Keith and Tom Clavin. Tom, as always, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. And this is Speaking of Writers, I'm Steve Richards.